either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Should we just start with a warning that we're just going to gush unabashedly <laughs> about one of the movies? And I bet, I bet they can guess which one. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And we're going to start with one that is much beloved around our house. When a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. Toy Story 4. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hi. Ah! (gasps) He's a spook. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Kids lose their toys every day. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. Love. How much do we love it? Let us count the ways. And, uh, you know, it's not just us. And I I think it's not just us as well who were a little, had mixed feelings about them even making part four. Because we have such fondness for not only Toy Story 3 and the way it ended, but the entire trilogy. Well, and the thing about Toy Story 3, first of all, it's a masterpiece of a film, not just an animated film, but a film. And it also, it closed the character arc so beautifully and that that we just wanted them to let it go. Just yeah. let it go. You, and, just, just you didn't want them to take the chance of spoiling it. Right. Right. And then what happened? It made literally a billion dollars. Yeah. So they were going to revisit. They just were. It has still taken quite a few years, though. Oh yeah. Uh, and this just shows you any any time you really doubt anything, a, a reboot, a, a sequel, whatever, as long as you have the writing. Then you can you can make you can well, whatever it is yeah. you can make it worthwhile and boy this is so great and I'm happy to eat a big bowl of crow, uh, wondering if they should make this because it's fantastic it's it's a joy it's funny it's touching it's how many you know superlatives can I grasp for this it's probably we're in fact we're just now I think next week on this podcast right. we're going to run down our top ten movies so, so far this far year the first half year. of 2019 and I'm guessing this is going to be way near way the top up if, there. if not at the top it's just great it is we gave it five stars uh, the written review which is which is very very uncommon for us and the truth is that I kicked around four and a half simply because I have to admit that I'm not sure I I'm not sure I love it as much as I love Toy Story three. But which again, I think is, is is a perfect movie. This movie doesn't pack the same emotional wallop, which is to say, I was not ugly crying mm-hmm. for forty five minutes. Right. 
But I cried. And it's also the thing that it, it, it sort of trades for that is that it is considerably funnier than the first three films. That's what surprised me. This is gut-busting funny. It really is. I mean, there are some points in this movie that I my eyes were literally watering. And, you know, the joke about, oh, I'm not crying. I'm, no, I, my eyes were watering From because laughing. I was laughing mm-hmm. so hard. You were. Really were. Some funny, funny stuff. And a couple of the moments were just almost throwaway yeah. lines yeah. where, you know, if you're laughing before they come, you might not hear them. I know. No, and it's hysterical. It, and, oh, my and Lord. And a lot of that is, so they it's the same investment of character that they have had through the whole series with the characters that you're that you're familiar with, but the new characters bring a lot of laughs, and starting with Forky, right, which is so funny. <laughs> anyway, you know, Bonnie isn't yep. allowed to take any toys with her to kindergarten on the first day, so she makes one right. out of a spork. Because this one actually picks up, it actually shows that uh, gut-wrenching ending from part three that just got me so much of the grown-up Andy giving away all his toys. So just to kind of reconnect with everybody, this is, this is where the gang is now. And so, yeah, they're with a young girl who is having to adjust to going to school, going, going to, to kindergarten, kindergarten for the her, first time. Her mom time. and dad won't yeah. let her bring a toy, and so she makes one. Makes one out although, of a spork. Although Woody uh, stows away in her backpack just to make sure everything goes okay. And that's really the, the, the heart of the story, is Woody has lost his purpose. Mm-hmm. He's He doesn't have a sense of purpose. And then, uh, so he's introduced to Forky, who believes his purpose is to be trash because he's a spork. Right. So he keeps trying to throw himself away, and, and it's hysterical. And did you mention who voices a, spor- a forky? Oh, Tony Hale from uh, Arrested Development and, and Veep. Veep. Yeah. He, he's so perfect. If he's so funny. If you don't know his name, you definitely know his face. And, yeah, he is so funny. Just one of the many great voices in this, new voices. So, yeah, so um, while we're wondering, we were talking about this at lunch earlier before we started recording, uh, while we and other people were wondering, well, you know, maybe what's the purpose of this part four before we saw it? W- that's what Woody is wondering. Yeah. He's grasp- grappling with what's my purpose yeah. if I can't serve exactly. a, a young child. It's, it's just a funny idea that that the film itself suffers from existential terror. Yeah. Like the film doesn't know why it exists and therefore the lead characters and not just Woody, but of course, uh, Forky is having some existential troubles as well because he sees himself in, and it's just funny the way that it's developed it and the is way, funny. and which is not just call it superficial in any way. I mean, it's you know, it has some actual very deep thoughts about loyalty and purpose yeah. and love yep. and camaraderie, and then and then friendship you, and sacrifice. Oh my God, yeah. and what friends? And then Duke and, Kaboom comes oh, up. Oh my lord! Some of the new characters, oh. you know, the old characters are back in there, great. Especially, you got to give it up for Bo Peep. Oh, Bo Peep. Bo Peep Kicking is... Kicking all manner of ass she in this She is taking charge here is. as a hero. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about girl power hero, don't sleep on Bo Peep. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. It, actually, to such an extent that Buzz, to me, he's kind of back in the background in this installment a little bit. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, yeah, and, because... because- you know, part of it is yeah. is Woody's making some choices, some tough choices. He is making some tough choices, and there's some great adventures. There's a there's an adventure of lost toys in a, a, car- a, 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 a I want to say carousel. That's just the right. In a, it's more of a carnival, carnival. like a fair, like sure. a county fair type of thing. And then also you've got a great sequence in uh, an antique shop. Yep. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's oh so funny. We've talked about before. And yeah, the new characters include Duke. Kaboom! Oh yeah, who's, Keanu Reeves, who's who's basically the evil Knievel toys that of Canada. One of us played with as a kid. 
Yeah, and, and it's fantastic. Yeah, of Canada. So they yeah. a, they ask him if he can do a stunt. He's like, "Yes, I Canada." Oh yeah, uh, he's he's hilarious. Yeah, and then you've got these two stuffed animals that were in a part of prizes at the carnival, voiced by Key and Peel. Oh, so man, funny. are they They're funny? They're so funny. Oh, They're so my. they are funny. So. It just goes on and on, as we could go on and on talking about this movie. But, yes, the, the one big surprise was that it was so funny. But it hits all the feels without battering you about them because it gets you, whoever you are, if you're, if you're a young child, you're going to love the toy adventure. If you're a grown-up without kids, you're going to be remembering your own childhood. And the other thing that this movie does that the others haven't done is that if you were a child when you saw the first one, oh, you may have your own kids to bring to this exactly. one. Exactly, and boy, and that's right. And if you do have kids, no matter how old, that that's an added layer. But oh, my. If you just have kids uh, of any age, then this will hit you by reminding you either that they're going to soon grow up and go away, that's or maybe right. they already have. Because the thing about Woody's plight is he's kind of an empty nester, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. His yeah. plight is that of the adult who's watching the show. Well, not that it, it won't connect with children. I mean, it absolutely will. But yeah. it's, God, they're so well written. And then the, the other thing I've always felt uh, about this franchise is that it understood, John Lasser from the beginning, Tom Hanks in particular, that uh, that. People, I, I don't think people give vocal talent enough credit. Oh. And if you have really strong vocal talent, Amen. your animated film is going to soar. And that is, I mean, Tom Hanks could not be better than he is as as Sheriff Woody. I'm sorry, did you mean National Treasure? Uh, National Treasure, oh, okay. Tom Hanks. I want to make that, sure. That's the one. That's okay, the Tom okay. Hanks I want to make I mean, sure yes. you talk, we're talking about the same people. <laughs> GD National Treasure, Tom that's Hanks. That's right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And the vocal talent here is so stellar. I mean, even down to minor characters like Combat Carl, <laughs> who's voiced by Carl Weathers. I For mean, the love of God, people, keep your eyes keep on those combat eyes. Carls. Because <laughs> there's some sight gags oh my. going on. And that's the thing. Even as much as you'll love this, you'll get the, the feeling that you probably miss some gags. Yeah. That you might want to go back and yes. check out a second time. I could see this second time right now. Oh, right this minute. Um, but you're right. The, the way it deals with phases of life, basically. Yeah. Uh, no matter where you are in those phases and how it, it hits you in the feels, but it does it gracefully. Yeah. And and makes you laugh yeah, the not, whole time. It's never manipulative in no. the way it does it. I mean, it's just a it's just a masterwork. All four of the films. Yeah, it really is. So, um, and somehow, as great as the ending, and we've talked many times about how the ending of of part three was basically a chef's kiss. It was. I mean, but the ending of this I one, know. it's almost more no, of a closed circle. I know. And I, I was it's amazed very that they could do that. It's, it's very, very powerful. Very powerful. It's, but it, yeah. again, it includes choices, moving on and accepting that we're now moving into a different phase of life, maybe with different friends and different people. And it's, yeah, it, it's fantastic in all forms. So I think you may have gotten the impression that we liked it. <laughs> uh, urge you to see it. It's, it's just so much fun. And it's funny. We were on, we do a weekly um, TV gig here in Columbus, Ohio, where we're on uh, talking about the week's movies. And Good day, Columbus. Yeah, good day, Columbus. Uh, Phil and Sean. And Phil admitted today that he hadn't seen any of them. So wrong. Phil! I know. <laughs> well, you know, we were going to bring our dear friend Sammy. Our friend Sammy was going to go with us to the screening, and he was not able to go at the last minute. He's five, and his mom admitted that they'd never seen... I don't know if she hadn't. Bridget probably has seen yeah. them, but Sammy had never seen the others. Yeah. And so they were going to try to hurry and fit those in before he came to this it, one, and I thought... such a great oh franchise. Oh, my God, it's so great. I mean, we, we do have to admit that we have serious 
serious personal bias about it because the timeline of the original film to now perfectly fits the growing up of our son. Yes. And he was a Toy Story fanatic. Oh, right. After so, we saw it, he would stop people in Kroger's. Have you seen the show? It was all he wanted then, to talk about. And when part three came out, our son was going to college just as Andy was going to college. Yeah, so, yes. If we haven't said this before, when we saw the trailer for Part 3 the first time, I don't even know what movie we'd gone to see, but we saw the trailer for, the, for Part 3 the first time. Both of us sobbed. Just at the trailer because our son was getting ready to leave for college. And, of course, they brought the voice of Andy back to play Andy. Oh, it was too much for us. Yeah, exactly. So we fully... Fully realize that, full disclosure, but still, that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a fantastic franchise, and this part four is one of the best movies so far this year. Oh, yeah. A toy story of a different sort is next. A mother gives her 13-year-old son a toy doll for his birthday, unaware of its more sinister nature, the new Child's Play. Andy, I know this move has been really tough, but this is supposed to be a new start for us, remember? You said you were going to try to make new friends. Buddy can connect to and control all of your Caslin products and smart home devices. Introducing your new best friend. Mom, I need to tell you something. And I need you to believe me. I think Chucky did something. Well, since we just got done talking about Toy Story 4, I will give the people behind the marketing for this movie a nod a because they, they realized, look, we're going right up against Toy Story, so we're just going to put it in our posters, put it in our ads, and uh, okay, good on you for that. Yeah, they but, were funny, uh, actually. They were very yeah. clever. The whole marketing for this film was very clever. I wish the film were. <laughs> and it also drew a lot of attention because it has Mark Hamill That's right. doing the voice of Chucky. That and of is course, right. we just talked about vocal talent. He's been a very impressive vocal talent now for years. Oh, for many so that years. So was not really an out-of-left field choice. No, 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 no. I mean, he he did uh, the Joker uh, for the the like late 90s animated yeah. Batman series, and he was so great. But yeah, he's he's done a lot of, of vocal work um, since Star Wars, right. and he does a great job, and he, he does a good job in this as well as the demonic doll. It's actually not a demon this time, of course. In the previous seven yeah. Chucky films, <laughs> Brad Dorf plays the serial killer whose voice, I mean, whose soul is yeah. trapped inside this doll. For the reboot, they went with AI, so it's AI gone wrong. But And that, on its face, is not necessarily a bad choice because... That's perfectly fertile ground for horror. It's actually a great choice because, and you think for a minute they're going to take off with it because it's it's sort of like if Google Home, if your Google Home required instead of a little dot on the counter, required this creepy ass doll and bib overalls <laughs> to make the whole thing work. And I thought I liked where you're going. Like I thought this is this is a yeah. rich field, yeah. but they they did not plow that field. Yeah, and it's actually been the changing nature of technology down through the decades has been used. A bunch of times. Oh, many. To, to different effect in yeah. horror movies. Of course. Yeah, so th that wasn't the problem here. You take a new angle on it, and that could work, but yeah. it, they just they don't seem to, they're not inspired enough to really go after any of those themes that no. are possible. I found the film a bit sloppy and a bit lazy, which was unfortunate because not only does the film have Mark Hamill in it, right, but also Aubrey Plaza yeah. and, and Brian Tyree Henry and the, the little boy, Gabriel Bateman. Gabriel Bateman, uh, he does a great job. And actually, so does he has a couple of friends. They do a great job as well. I mean, the performances are really much better than the film 
kind of deserves. Although I will say, as a lot of people pointed out as soon as the trailer dropped months ago, he does seem a little old to be having a doll. Yes. I think that they get around it a little bit in that, A, he's lonely because they've just moved uh, and he doesn't really have any friends yet. And B, this is kind of a gadget, you know, uh, and then C, his mom doesn't have any money and his birthday is coming up and she works at a, at right, a department right. store. So it's, it's a, it's easy, a defective yeah. toy yeah. that she gets to bring home for free. So they do kind of work around it a little bit. And, I, and again, I think the talented cast kind of helps you get past a lot of flaws in the storytelling itself. And there's also, especially for horror nerds, there is a somewhat inspired Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, not your favorite movie, kind of a a kill sequence that I really, really enjoyed. And it's a bit gory. The film is a bit gory. And the film is a bit mean in a good way, I think. It's just that the story is so superficial. It brings up a lot of opportunity to kind of mine a lot of different things. Loneliness, uh, technology, Mm -hmm. uh, single parenthood, a lot of different things. It just doesn't do it. Yeah. You know, it could... I could see... If you get it maybe here on opening weekend with a, a big crowd of rowdy horror fans, yeah. there, there could some, there could be some fun to be found. Yeah. Uh, I think especially in the uh, sort of the climactic sequence one. Well, I don't want to give anything away. Right. But uh, I do think that that's, you know, a, it's a little bit of a raucous fun time. I think if you're watching it with a big crowd of like-minded folks, it yeah. could be a little bit of fun. But on the whole, it's just I found, I found the film a bit disappointing. And to be honest with you, needless, lacking in purpose or reason. Well, if you thought that one lacked purpose, how about this? Beneath Anna Politova's striking beauty lies a secret that will unleash her indelible strength and skill to become one of the world's most feared government assassins. It's Anna. It's quite the fairy tale you got going on here. From top flight model in Moscow to rubbing shoulders with the elite. You entered his hotel at 1.37 p.m. Did you notice anything suspicious? Like what? Can't you look at the hotel security cameras? Tapes were raised. It's like we're dealing with pros. It's a funny trend in this week, which is why did they make this? Yeah, this is writer-director Luc Besson. And uh, he returns to familiar territory for him. Of course, he made his name, really. First big movie was La Femme Nikita. Right. And then years later, he did uh, Lucy. Mm -hmm. And he seems to have been inspired to get back in that sexy killing machine genre by recent films of uh, Red Sparrow and then Atomic Blonde. You know, you've got this sexual treachery of Red Sparrow and then the real ass kickery because we thought Atomic Blonde was all right. Right. You know, it wasn't great. No, but, but it was uh, it good. Had and some the, very, for, as action films yeah, go, it was very solid. And it had some very impressive fight choreography. But anyway, so now you've got Luc Besson's take on it. And again, he's taking a model and making her a, a, a lead actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it, of course. I mean, he's done it a number of times over the years, but he, he uh, Mila Jovovich, and yeah. he were married, but he, he put her in her first couple of films. And then he was also one of the filmmakers that helped Cara Delevingne move from a model to an actress. And in her starring role, one of her starring roles was that Valerian in The City of a Thousand mm-hmm. Planets. Which, which was so bad. Stars, which uh, co-starred Sasha Luss, who now takes over as the role, the lead role here, uh, of Anna. And she is, guess what, a sexy killing machine, right. a Russian assassin who was plucked from uh, Russian poverty. And she's not only a, an assassin... 
but she's got this day job, this cover, as a top international model. So the ridiculousness does ensue, but as the story takes all these twists and turns and, and backstabbing, and actual some literal backstabbing, <laughs> and double crosses and things like that, the main thing you keep getting with this character, Anna, is that all she wants out of all this, she just wants her freedom. She wants her freedom from men and from a world in general that do nothing but objectify and use her. And that point would be a lot more well taken if the film didn't do exactly that right. the entire time. Oh, yeah. I mean, this film is wrapped in such a leering gaze. Mm. I mean... The it's whole, creepy. The whole movie is just, just creepy. It feels a little you icky. You feel a little gross for having participated. Yeah, when you've got so much of the of the killing done by Anna in her lingerie, and then when she has to go in and put a silencer on this gun, it's framed in the shot just so that the gun is held just so right up against her... In her thigh, inner, between her legs. Yeah, uh, I mean, ugh. come on. It's just so overt and so, yeah, just a little icky. Yeah. And why are these other talents, these more major talents, like Helen Mirren, and then you've got Killian Murphy and Luke Evans right. in some big supporting roles. It's it's so contrived. It's badly written. And it's just so much of a, of a mixed message. And this false sense of feminism, like we, we want to do another girl power hero. Look how she's fighting for, but 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 look at the rest of yeah, this movie and how yeah. it, how it views her. Right, um, just negates the entire thing. You're the one that brought it to me. You were trying to think of who originally first said the quote that there is no French word for, for feminism. For feminism, yep. Uh, it might have been clear to me, probably not, but I do remember it being an interesting thought that I hadn't had, which is not to knock all of French films, and it certainly isn't to suggest that every film has to be feminist, but when you're presenting yourself in that way, and really all you're doing is an excuse to have a sexy, skinny woman with garters wrap her legs around a man's uh, neck and head so that she can flip around because, as far as I can tell from movies, that's the only way a woman knows how to knock a man to the ground is by flipping herself upside down, wrapping her legs around his neck, and then taking him down that way. Instead of just knocking his feet out from under him like the rest of us would do. And then you've got this other female character, Anna's roommate, who basically is just there to just say that she wants some girl-on-girl -girl action yep. with Anna just at all times. Yeah. Hey, you want to take a shower? I mean, just this constant type of leering, ho 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 type of attitude yeah. the entire movie, and I found it a complete, complete waste. Yeah. Let's do a documentary next that tells the story of Mo Berg, an enigmatic Jewish catcher during baseball's golden age, who joined the Office of Strategic Services to spy for the U.S. on the Nazis' atomic bomb program. This is called The Spy Behind Home Plate. Whenever you're talking about anything with Mo Berg, the first thing you have to understand is it's going to be complicated. It's a hell of a story. He loved being a mystery. Mo Berg was a terrific athlete. He was smart and he was funny. Casey's thing of said he could speak seven languages, but couldn't hit in any of them. Brain and brawn really does make Mo Berg the ultimate Jewish athlete. But Mo Berg said he'd rather be a baseball player than be a Supreme Court justice. What he wound up being is an American hero. This is actually the second film in 12 months about this guy, Mo right, Berg. Right, I uh, have to think that his records were recently made public or something. Yeah, because, something. Because it's crazy to me. Because you probably missed it. It was a small film, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, just last summer, 
Paul Rudd starred as Mo Berg mm-hmm. in the in the fictionalized account of this story. And it's an incredible story. The catcher is a spy. The, the catcher was a spy, yeah. And uh, now you've got the documentary version, and it is. It's just an incredible story. This guy was uh, 15 years in the major leagues yep. before World War II, and he spoke seven languages. He was a Princeton grad. He was a lawyer, and he was also a spy. Yeah. And who was given an, an incredibly dangerous mission to possibly assassinate the head of the German nuclear program while while both you know nations were struggling to find out who was the first to get the bomb. And possibly it could have turned into a kamikaze mission, a suicide mission. He was totally ready for that. So the life this guy lived is just incredible. And you've got it told in documentary form here by Aviva Kempner. Who likes baseball docs. She does. She, she makes a lot of baseball docs. She did the Lifetimes of Hank Greenberg, mm-hmm. of course, an all-time great baseball player. And then she did a non-baseball documentary called Rosenwald a couple of years ago and a mm-hmm. few others. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's such an uber-informative approach. I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. Right from the get-go, it's just talking heads interviews one after the other. Sometimes just one line from one talking head, and we cut to the next one. And peppered with some great archival footage, both still photos and videos, to tell this story. And while it is incredibly informative... And fascinating if you're into it. It really doesn't do that approach. Doesn't do a whole lot to entice the casual viewer. Yeah, it's not. It's it's, it's substance over style. Yes. Right, where it it was really lacking in style. Yes, a lot of substance and 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 fascinating substance, no doubt about that. But pretty light on style. So, but if you are interested in this sort of thing, you will definitely love it, and I think you will then want to check out the Paul Rudd version. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, a little little light on the style for this one, but still uh, enjoyable, The Spy Behind Home Plate. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Going to the lobby, we got a big one. You can finally get for home video us. Another one that I think is going to end up high on our list of uh, movies so far this year. This is Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out, and we loved it. And and it's another movie that begs repeated viewings. I mean, I cannot wait to watch it like 30 times because you know that you missed so many little nods because yeah. of all of the ones you did pick up. You know, I'm like, I got to go back and see everything that... Because Jordan Peele is really... A, he's a he's a fascinating filmmaker, and he's such a fan of horror. Yes. And this is a great movie, and Lupita Nyong'o is amazing. Uh, it's the whole scary. Cast is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and, I loved it. And a great and a great twist at the end, uh, which we wouldn't dream of spoiling in case you haven't seen it yet. But check it out. Also, Hotel Mumbai comes out, and it is a pretty gripping account of a very gripping true story. Right, and it's and it's really well told. It's got a, an ensemble cast. All of them deliver. Uh, and uh, Brandon Thomas did the review for this for the website, and he loved it. He thought it was just excellent. Yeah, and the beach bomb comes out. Matthew McConaughey as a beach bomb. It's Harmony Corrine. We were sort of uh, looking forward to it when it came out, but, uh, well, one of us outright hated it. Yes, that was me. <laughs> and I am a Corrine fan, and I was looking forward to it, but, I, yeah, I absolutely hated this movie. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I... I certainly can't really recommend it. It seemed to me just like a, a real waste of, of talent and time. And then on DVD this week, the animated Wonder Park comes Skip out. Skip it! I know you're looking for something to watch with your kids. You're looking for something to pop in the TV while you go get the laundry done or whatever. But this movie is just its just mind-bogglingly terrible. So one huge lobby recommendation and one huge new-in-theaters recommendation this week. Uh, let us know what you thought. 
Always glad to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can find us easily at Mad Wolf or at M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. We always appreciate you listening to the screening room. And wherever it is you listen, if you would take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review, we would so appreciate it. And all the written reviews of these films, as well as some other fun stuff like our horror movie podcast, Fright Club, can be found anytime at madwolf.com, the main website. So, Next week, we're looking forward to the next movie that I think is in a string of films aimed at baby boomers and their musical heroes. <laughs> We've got the Beatles movie called Yesterday, based around the Beatles' music, I should say. We've already had, what, Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. with, with Queen. We've had Elton John mm-hmm. with uh, Rocket Man. We've got Springsteen coming up. We've got Springsteen coming up with uh, Blinded, Blinded by, by the, the light. light, which we're looking forward to. And now we've got Yesterday comes out next week. Also... Annabelle comes home next week. She did week. come home, didn't she? She came to our house. We got to keep the doll for a couple of days. And we're still, we don't think we're cursed, well, are we? I don't think so. Jury's They're, out. Right. We already saw that one, though, so we'll be talking about that uh, in more detail next week. And a smaller movie in limited release, Ophelia. So we'll talk about those next week. Hope to hear from you this week. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Walt. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> and see ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.